Chapter Nineteen of the Albert Gate Mystery by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Nineteen: The Race. For a wonder, the Gulf of Lyons was not boisterous. They had a pleasant journey through the night, and Daubigny assured them that this handsome yacht was doing twelve knots an hour without being pressed. Next morning they reached the Straits of Bonifacio, and here they had to slacken speed somewhat, for the navigation of that rocky channel was difficult and dangerous. Far behind them they could see a huge steamer approaching. As the morning wore, this vessel came nearer, and Daubigny, important now in his capacity of commander, announced that she was the p and o steamship ganges bound for brindisi and the east via the straits of messina she left marseilles at a late hour last night he said and will call it brindisi for the indian mails an idea suddenly struck brett do you know how fast she is steaming he inquired oh about thirteen and a half knots an hour that is her best rate the p and o boats are not flyers you know and does she stop at messina daubigny now caught the drift of the barrister's questions i don't think so but macpherson my chief engineer will probably tell us macpherson was produced a bearded and grizzled personage hailing from dundee being a scotchman he would not commit himself i have na heard o the pen or ship stoppin at messina he announced but ablins they would if they got their price and mac would not commit himself any further another hour passed and the ganges was now almost alongside although both ships were well through the straits of bonifacio and the ganges could have followed a course a point or two north of that pursued by the bluebell she appeared to be desirous to come close to them suddenly the reason became apparent a line of little flags fluttered up on her masthead she is signalling to us cried daubigny excitedly here you he shouted at a sailor bring jones here at once jones was the yacht's expert signaller he approached with a telescope and a coat under his arm after a prolonged gaze and a careful scrutiny of the coat he announced this is how the message reads turks on board stopping messina winter for once the barrister was startled out of his usual quiet self-possession winter he almost screamed is he there a hundred masked questions cursed through his brain but he realized that to attempt a long explanation by signals was not only out of the question but could not fail to attract the attention of passengers on board the ganges this he did not desire to do quick as lightning he decided that by some inexplicable means the scotland yard detective had reached marseilles full of the knowledge that dubois and the diamonds were en route to sicily and had also learned that he brett and the others were on board the bluebell 
he had evidently taken the speediest means of reaching the island and found himself on board the same ship as grosjean and the turks hence he had approached the captain with the request that the bluebell should be signalled what shall we answer said daubeney breaking in upon the barrister's train of thought oh say that the signal is fully understood whilst the answering flags were being displayed daubeney asked what does it all mean it means said brett that if the bluebell has another yard of speed in her engines we shall need it all it perhaps will make no material difference in the long run but as a matter of pride i should like to reach palermo before grosjean if i remember rightly palermo is six hours from messina by rail can we do it mac was again consulted of course he would not commit himself we will try damned hard he said and with this emphatic resolve the bluebell sped onwards through the sunlit sea until late in the evening the ganges was hulled down on her quarter macpherson came on deck to take a last look at the p and o it will be a great race he announced and i may have to kill a stoker but and he dived below again so rapidly did the bluebell speed over the inland sea that as night fell over the face of the waters on the second day out from marseilles the lookout forward announced a light on the starboard bow and daubeney after scrutinizing it through his binoculars and consulting a chart announced it to be the occulting light on cape san vito this discovery occasioned a slight alteration in the course the bluebell ran merrily on until the small hours of the morning when everybody on board was suddenly awakened by the stoppage of the screw this is always a disturbing incident at sea when people are asleep travellers not inert to the incidents of ocean voyaging cannot help conjuring up vivid pictures of impending disaster it is useless to tell them that for the very reason the ship has slackened her speed it is obvious she is being navigated with care and watchfulness reason at such a time is dethroned by the natural timidity of the unseen and it is not surprising therefore that the passengers on board the bluebell should one and all find some pretext to gain the deck in their eagerness to find out why the vessel had slowed down the answer was a reassuring one she had burnt a flare for a pilot and quickly an answering gleam came from afar out of the darkness ahead the pilot was soon on board he was an italian but like most members of his profession doing business in those waters he spoke french fluently brett asked him how long with the northeasterly breeze then blowing a small sailing vessel such as a schooner rigged fishing smack would take to reach palermo from marseilles the pilot seemed to be surprised at the question it is not a trip often made monsieur he said fishing vessels from marseilles are frequently compelled to take shelter under the lee of corsica or even sardinia but here in sicily why should they come here 
oh i don't mean a schooner engaged in the fishing trade but rather a small vessel chartered for pleasure taking the place as it were of a private yacht ah said the italian that explains it well monsieur with this breeze i should imagine they would set their course around by the north of corsica in order to avoid beating through the straits of bonifacio that would make them run about six hundred fifty knots and a smart little vessel carrying all her sails and properly ballasted might reach palermo in a few hours over three days thank you said brett is palermo a difficult port to make oh no monsieur there's deep water all around there no shoals and but few isolated rocks which are all well known the only thing to guard against is the changeful current according to the state of the tide and the direction of the wind sailing ships have to alter their course very considerably for the currents round here are very strong and consequently most dangerous in calm weather brett smiled it would be an ignoble conclusion to the chase if the belle sœur were wrecked with her valuable cargo i must devoutly pray he said to himself that the breezes and currents may combine to bring dubois safely on shore then i think we can deal with him soon after daybreak the bluebell after a momentary halt at the customs station crept past the castello emmer and amidst such gesticulation accompanied by a torrent of volcanic italian she was tied up to a wharf in the cala the small inner harbour of the port edith who could not sleep since the advent of the pilot made an early toilet and climbed to the bridge whence she had a magnificent view of the sunrise over the beautiful city that stands on the concadoro or golden shell the smiling and luxuriant plain that seems to be provided by nature for man's habitation it lies beyond a lovely bay and is enclosed on three sides by lofty and precipitous mountains naturally fairholm was drawn to her side as a chip of steel to a magnet we are certain to have a furious row here he remarked when they had exhausted their superlative adjectives concerning the splendid prospect opening up before their eyes why cried edith wonderingly i understood that our present adventure may at any moment have exciting developments but i do not see the association between the view and the possibility it is this way he answered i have not read a great deal as you know but i have always noticed in my limited way that wherever nature is most lavish in her gifts she seems to take a delight in setting people by the ears italy is a fine country you know yet there are more murders to the square inch than in any other place on earth then again it is likely that several armed policemen are at this moment chasing bandits among those hills over there and he nodded towards the distant blue heights which looked so peaceful in the clear atmosphere now brilliant with the rays of the rising sun edith laughed really bobby she pouted you are becoming sentimental i half expect to find you break out into verse i can do that too he said though it is not my own 
hasn't he got a hymn which tells us of a place where every prospect pleases and only man is vile i forget the rest of it miss talbot faced him rapidly good gracious bobby what is the matter with you i never knew you in such a melting mood before how can i help it he half whispered laying his hand on her shoulder we have never been together so much before in our lives don't you realize edith what it means to us if mr brett discovers those diamonds within the next few hours or days he bent closer towards her and his hand passed from her shoulder around her neck when we return to england if you are willing we can be married within a week a bright flush suffused her beautiful face she bent her head and was silent it is quite certain that fairholme would have kissed her had not daubigny shouted look here you two flirting on the bridge is strictly forbidden you will demoralize the whole crew even the pilot cannot keep his eyes off you they laughed and giggled like a couple of children caught stealing gooseberries yet the incident and the words were fraught with a solemn significance which often came back to their minds in other days the party breakfasted on board and then set out to survey the hotels brett's first care was to ascertain the scheduled hours of the train service between messina and palermo to his joy they discovered that neither winter nor the gang he was shadowing could possibly reach the city until a quarter to four in the afternoon they decided in favour of the hotel de france as being most modern in its appearance and centrally situated the next thing to do was to provide an efficient watch on all sailing vessels entering the harbour and here the pilot proved to be a valuable ally brett explained to him that he was most anxious to meet some people who were coming from marseilles on a fishing smack named the belle soeur number one hundred and seven it was possible he explained that both the number and the name might be obliterated so he wished the pilot or any helpers he might employ for the duty to take particular note of all strange boats answering to this description and at once report their appearance this the man guaranteed to do he said that it was quite impossible for a french-rigged smack to enter palermo without attracting his notice as the daily remuneration fixed for his services was far beyond any sum he could earn as a pilot he set about his task with enthusiasm he engaged two assistants to take turns in watching the harbour and gave the barrister such assurances of devotion to duty that brett felt quite satisfied that dubois could not arrive in palermo without his knowledge of course it was quite on the cards that some secluded creek along the coast might be preferred by the astute schemer as a point of debarkation but this was a risk which must be taken by approaching the police authorities and requesting their cooperation and also using grand jean and the turks as a stalking horse brett felt tolerably certain that the time would soon arrive when dubois and he would stand face to face in making these manifold preparations the morning passed rapidly 
the barrister insisted that his companions should go for a drive whilst he busied himself with the necessary details and they should meet at the hotel for the midday meal it was then that he singled out sir hubert for his personal share in the pursuit you know mr winter he said to the baronet yes i remember him perfectly in that case i wish you to go to the station and meet the three forty five p m train on arrival you will probably see the turks and grosjean but pay no attention to them keep a bright lookout for mr winter walk up quite openly and speak to him and the probability is that should grosjean have become suspicious of this englishman who follows in the same track as himself your presence on the platform will convince him that he was mistaken in imagining the slightest connection between winter's journey and his own that is good said the major-general it would never have occurred to me any other commands none save this continued brett smiling at the old soldier's eagerness to obey implicitly any instructions given to him when you meet winter tell him if possible to so direct his movements as to find out grosjean's destination if it can be done without giving the frenchman the slightest cause for uneasiness otherwise the matter is of no consequence i have already interviewed the chief of police here and it will only be a question of an hour's delay before the local detectives effectually locate the quarters occupied by grosjean and the turks End of chapter 19